Would you turn in your Bibles this morning with me again to the Gospel of Luke? Luke chapter 4, where we've been the last couple of weeks. And I'd like to direct your attention again to Luke chapter 4, especially verse number 18. But let's back up to verse number 16 to get the context, and we'll read down a little ways. Luke chapter 4, we'll begin reading in verse number 16. And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Esaias. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written... The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book, and he gave it again to the minister and sat down. And the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began to say unto them, This day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. Jesus, speaking in the synagogue there in Nazareth in his hometown where he was raised from the time of his boyhood, was called upon to read from the scriptures. And he chose an interesting passage of scripture from the book of Isaiah And we've been looking at these phrases here from this passage in Isaiah that Jesus read from. And we've been considering the reason that Jesus came to this earth. He stated there, taking for himself this prophecy, which is a messianic prophecy. And so he took for himself this prophecy that Isaiah made hundreds of years before. And he claimed that the Spirit of the Lord was upon him and had anointed or chosen him. That is, he's the Messiah. He is the anointed one. But what was it that he was anointed to do? And so far, we've looked at the fact that Jesus came, of course, to preach the gospel to the poor. And in doing so, he said he's been sent to heal the brokenhearted. We talked about that. He's been sent to preach deliverance to the captives. And this morning, as we think about Jesus coming to preach the gospel to the poor, I want you to think about the third phrase here, where Jesus takes upon himself this responsibility to recover sight to the blind. I want you to think about what it means that Jesus came to give sight to the blind. Certainly, we all fall under the description of those who are poor and in need of the gospel. I don't mean financially impoverished or impoverished in a cultural way. I mean that we are impoverished in a spiritual way. Every one of us is in a state of spiritual poverty before we meet God. And that is because of our own sinfulness. That's because of our own choice to disobey the law of God and to live according to our own will and do the things that we want to do instead of what God has commanded. And a a component of this spiritual poverty and a contributing factor to it is the fact that we are spiritually blind. Now, Jesus came to recover sight to those who were blind. And in a moment, in a little while, probably more than a moment, but a few moments... We'll think about an example of this 
how it played out in Jesus' ministry and someone that he ministered to. And I think it's a phenomenal example of Jesus' ability. We know that Jesus physically gave sight to people who were blind, who could not see with their physical eyes. But Jesus came to do more than just restore physical health or physical sight to people who could no longer see physically. Jesus was always concerned much more about the spiritual condition. And as difficult as physical blindness is, and it is a, a, a something that can really uh, cause a lot of difficulties for someone if they struggle with blindness or Uh, as I've known people who were in the process of losing their sight for a long time and just slowly their eyes were dimming and they would describe how their life was changing as they were losing their ability to be able to see. But even more serious than that, in fact, much more serious than that, is that we are spiritually blind when we are apart from God. And this is what Jesus came to address. Now, I want you to think with me just a little bit about this the truth of blindness, the fact that blindness exists. And again, I'm speaking primarily about uh, spiritual blindness and not physical blindness in this case, because, you know, someone who is physically blind can have spiritual eyes that are open. But someone who has 20-20 physical vision might be as blind as could be spiritually. So what does this mean, this idea of those who are blind. When it says that Jesus came to recover sight to the blind, it makes us think that there must be blind people. And it it must not have just been a first century thing. There, There must be blind people even now. So what is this spiritual blindness? What exactly does this mean? As I was thinking about this and trying to consider what does it mean to be spiritually blind... I thought of at least two ways that people are spiritually blind. One is, there are those who think that they can see. They think they know the truth. They're very confident and assertive, even proud about what they think they know. But what they think they know is the wrong thing. They're thinking the wrong things and they are absolutely confident that they are seeing. Now, it's very difficult to convince someone who can't see that they can't see if they think they can see. Do you see? (laughs) There's a lot of puns that could come in on this message, but we're going to do our best not to use them. A lot of people are very confident that they have the truth. They're very confident that they see life and eternity and reality in the correct way, but according to what God says, their way of looking at things is blindness. So we certainly can say that there are people who are very much assured that they know exactly what is right, and they are completely wrong, and this is a form of spiritual blindness. This is like the man driving who is absolutely confident that he knows where he's going. And he does not need to stop and ask directions, thank you very much. Now, I do realize that this is a relic from the past, since we all have GPS now on our phones. So we don't have to ask for directions. We can just ask Siri or Google 
to get us to the right place. But do you remember in the days before you had a GPS in your car and you would go someplace and maybe there was someone driving who was absolutely confident that they knew where they were going, but they were definitely not going to the place they thought they were going. But there was no talking to them because they were assured and confident and proud that they knew exactly where they were going. And what are you going to do in that situation? Well, the only solution is to wait until you get to wherever you're going for them to realize that they went to the wrong place and perhaps to ask for help getting to the right place. But think about how devastating this is spiritually. Because if you arrive at the wrong place spiritually, there's no correcting the matter. There's no going back and and making it different, you see. So there are those who think they can see and that they know the truth. But there's also people who are spiritually blind, and I would describe them more in this way. They're just confused about what way to go. Because if you... Tune in to the voices that are speaking. There's all kinds of directions being called out. Go this way. Come this way. I have the right way. I I know what the truth is. Read this book. Follow this system, this philosophy, this way. This is the right way. And a lot of people, honestly, are just sitting almost in dismay, indecision. I don't know which way to go. I'm not sure what is right. I don't know what is wrong. And they're just in a state of of confusion and they're trying to figure out what is the right way and they are spiritually blind because to them they're having trouble discerning what is right and what is wrong. Would you agree with me this morning that many people are confused? Many people are making false starts. They'll try down a, a path for a while and say, no, that can't be it. And they'll back up try another path, no, that can't be it, and back up, try down another path, no, that can't be it. And, and they may get to a place in their life where they're so frustrated with all the different paths that are offered that they just kind of throw up their hands in dismay and say, I give up. I, I, don't, I guess you just can't figure it out. I guess we'll just have to wait until death and then we'll know. But, but friend, death is too late to figure this out. So many people around us are living by their wits. And they think, because I feel it, it must be so. Or they're living by their wishes and they're saying, I've just got to make myself happy. And as long as I'm happy and as long as I'm satisfied and as long as I have a sense that I'm going the right way, then it must be the right way. So many people are living that way. And yet they're living in spiritual blindness. They're going the wrong direction. There's so many ways and philosophies and systems this morning that claim to be the truth. And I want to tell you this morning, only one can be right. Now you may say this morning, well, you know, there there is a way of thinking that says that everybody is right. Well, that's illogical. Because even relativism, which is the name for that system, demands that you agree with it as being right, you see. So it can't possibly be that everybody is right and everything is going to turn out the correct way. We know from the Bible that there's only one way of truth. 
So it's very important that people be able to see what that way of truth is. But now we encounter a problem, and this is, this is really the essence of why Christ came. And you can hold your place in Luke 4 and turn with me, if you would, to the book of 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. The Apostle Paul here, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is speaking about the means of ministry, the way that we go about declaring the truth. And he says something very interesting in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse number 3. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ who is the image of God, should shine unto them. So we asked the question this morning, what is spiritual blindness and why are people spiritually blind? And the simple answer is because there is a very powerful being, the God of this world, the enemy of man's soul, who goes about with the purpose of blinding men's eyes. And by blinding their eyes, the verse defines exactly what, he, what he's doing and what this means. It's not that he's keeping them from seeing anything. It's just that he's allowing them to only see things that would keep them from coming to the glorious gospel of Christ. So the enemy is content with people following any way that is the wrong way as long as they don't come after Christ. And then, by very definition, what we've just read means that anything that is not following after Christ is spiritual blindness. And the God of this world is actively using these philosophies and these systems and these ways of looking at reality to cause people to go off from the truth and to be spiritually blinded. And this spiritual blindness can be so intense that you can share the truth with someone which should awaken their conscience, but they are so firmly entrenched in their way of seeing things that they refuse to think about anything different than what they believe they have seen. And this is spiritual blindness. This spiritual blindness is so powerful that there were individuals who heard Jesus, the Son of God, teach and preach the truth. And they willfully turned away from the truth and chose spiritual blindness instead. So don't be surprised if the same thing might happen to us when we're trying to communicate the truth. So this is a little bit about what this blindness is. But now I want you to consider with me the question, which sometimes it's good if we ask this question, so what? If so many people are blind and so many people don't really have the truth, I mean, we're kind of all in the same boat, aren't we? I mean, what does it matter? What's the big deal? Well, it is a big deal. And I want you to think about what happens when someone is spiritually blind. Turn to John chapter 12 with me, and we're going to turn to several passages of Scripture. So keep your Bible open 
and ready to turn. John chapter 12, Jesus is speaking about this issue. And in the, in the scriptures, there's a couple of terms that are used to describe this problem that we're discussing this morning. That is the, the word blindness or blind, which we have already referred to. And then a, a synonymous term with that or the way that it's used frequently in the scriptures is darkness, spiritual darkness. And in John 12, Jesus speaks about this. Look with me, if you would, at verse number 35, John 12, 35. Then Jesus said unto them, Yet a little while is the light with you. Walk while ye have the light, lest darkness come upon you. And Jesus is speaking about himself here in this passage. He's referring to himself as the light. But now I want you to notice in verse 35 what it says. For he that walketh in darkness knoweth not whither he goeth. So here's the, here's the first problem of blindness, and that is that the person who is blind is unable to discern the truth. They cannot discern the truth. Jesus refers to it here very powerfully with a, with a, a word picture. He that walketh in darkness knoweth not whither he goeth. And I, I know what many of you are thinking, and that is, well, my night vision is pretty good. You know, so even when it's dark, I have a pretty good way of being able to see where I'm going. When Jesus uses the term darkness, he's not even talking about a little bit of light. You see, your night vision is completely dependent upon a little bit of ambient light coming in from a street light far off or from the moon and the stars or, or perhaps from a, a porch light across the way and that's shining across. And that light is very powerful. And even with that little bit of light, you can see just a little bit, maybe not, not nearly as good as you could during the day, but enough to, to get around without hurting yourself. That's not what Jesus is talking about when he says someone is walking in darkness. Jesus is talking about somebody walking in darkness as someone walking with a complete absence of light. Have you ever been in a place where the light is completely shut out? I remember one time I was staying in a place, I was traveling, and I was, uh, stayed in a prophet's chamber, actually. And it was an un- unfamiliar place to me. And I was tired, and I went to bed. And I woke up in the middle of the night, and I needed to use the restroom, but I, I literally could not see anything because in that particular place, there were no night lights and there was no outside light. There was no light pollution coming in because there were no windows, nothing at all. And the room was pitch black. And I laid in the bed for a minute thinking, I got to get to the bathroom from here without killing myself. And just in that moment, I thought, I don't know if I can do that. And thankfully, I was able to find a light source to be able to secure, to be able to show my path. Because literally, without any light at all, you are going to hurt yourself. You're going to stumble. You're going to have a problem. You're not going to be able to get around. So many people today are living in exactly this condition. They think they know the truth, but they don't even know what the truth is. 
They're, they think they're living according to God's way. They think, well, one day I'm going to stand before God and he's going to be happy with me. And you just listen to them for five minutes and you know it's completely contrary to what God says, the means of judgment. And you know they don't have the first idea what the truth is. So blindness is when people cannot discern the truth. Because of this lack of discernment, they begin walking in deceptive lies. And that's the second thing. They begin organizing their life and building their life around certain principles. Turn to John chapter 3. When people don't know what the truth is, they've got to make decisions about how they're going to live. And what they're going to end up doing is making choices for things that lead them further and further into darkness. Why is this the case? Because John 3, 19 and 20, it explains exactly what the problem is. And this is the condemnation that light has come into the world and men loved darkness rather than light. Why? Because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. Why is it that people repeatedly turn away from the truth? It's not that the truth is unavailable. It's not that there is no light. Jesus states it plainly. Light has come into the world. In fact, Jesus is the light of the world who came and he's given us His light, He's given us His truth. There's no reason for people not to have truth. But the reason that people are walking in darkness is because they love doing evil things. And it's safe to do evil things in the darkness in their mind. So they stay far away from the truth. It sounds something like this. Well, if I go that way, if I live according to the Bible, if I do things God's way, that's so restrictive. That's going to really, that's going to just make my life something that I don't want it to be. I want nothing to do with that. I want to live my own life. And so they choose again and again and again to go deeper and farther into the light or into the darkness, away from the light. You see, people will readily choose darkness when they want rebelliously to do what they want to do. And what happens is that the farther they go into darkness, according to 1 John 2 and verse 11, and you can write that down, look at it later, is that the darkness will blind your eyes. And you'll go farther and farther and farther into darkness. Sometimes we wonder at some of the things that are happening in our culture. We wonder at what seems to be a clear expression of insanity in the general culture about things that seem to be basic facts. And there's just a denial of those facts as if everybody knows that those things aren't true. And yet any of us with a little bit of rationale and reason say, uh, it seems rather obvious what the truth is. But the whole world is saying, no, 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 that can't be the truth. And you say, what is going on? It's people who willfully want to go after a way of life. They, they don't want to be bothered with the truth. They want to pursue their own way. And so they turn away from the light. And the deeper they go into that darkness, the more that darkness blinds their eyes and blinds their eyes and blinds their eyes. 
to the point that people, they, they, I mean, something that seems so obvious that, that you just can't even understand. Well, how, how can you not see that? How, 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 can, how can you not understand that? I, I don't understand how you can't see that. Well, they really are spiritually blind because of their choices. And of course, all of this is the work of Satan in their life, isn't it? He's, he's willing to let them continue doing that, and he'll keep blinding their, their eyes. So people can't discern the truth when they're blind. And they walk in these deceptive lies. They walk in darkness. And then third of all, what happens, according to Luke chapter 6, turn there with me. I hope you'll follow along with the full progression this morning. Luke chapter 6. Notice what happens. These people, they can't discern the truth. They're walking in darkness. And Luke 6, 39, Jesus spake a parable unto them. Can the blind lead the blind? Shall they not both fall into the ditch? You see, what's going to happen is because they're spiritually blind and because they want other people to be comfortable with their spiritual blindness and the works of darkness, they begin to convince others, no, this is the way that we all ought to think. This is the way that we ought to act. These are the things we ought to do. Come with us. Come on, let's go. Let's all go to this place of spiritual blindness. And you've got a bunch of spiritually blind people agreeing with each other and saying, Amen, that's right, that's the way we ought to live. And next thing you know, they're all headed to the ditch. Because there's nobody there saying, Whoa, hold on a second. We're going the wrong way. We're going deeper into darkness, you see. So this darkness is very serious. This is a description of what's happening in our world today. People today who want to walk in darkness can find a teacher who is teaching whatever it is that they want to be involved in, often using the Bible, and they can say, I found someone who agrees with me, and now I can do what I want to do. Boy, that's problematic, isn't it? And these spiritual teachers who are spiritually blind are leading others into darkness. The fourth problem with blindness is found in 2 Peter chapter 2. And 2 Peter chapter 2 really deals with the epitome of these blind leaders. It talks about those who are false prophets, false teachers, who are teaching a way of salvation that is not a way of salvation. And they're teaching all kinds of wrong things, and this is the end of them according to what the Bible says in 2 Peter 2, 17. These are wells without water, clouds that are carried with a tempest, to whom the mist of darkness is reserved forever. You see, the the consequence of blindness is that if you don't recover from blindness, if you don't recover your sight, then at some point you go out into eternity and you suffer eternal darkness, eternal blindness. This is a terrible sentence. This is a, this is a terrible thing 
to consider that one day there is the possibility that you could be condemned to darkness for all of eternity. So is blindness a serious thing? Spiritual blindness? Yes. It's the most important thing, actually. The most serious thing. Of all the diseases in the world that that we need to find cures for, spiritual blindness is the most serious. But thankfully, this morning, if you'll turn back to our text in Luke chapter 4, and you should be close there, Jesus informs us that the Spirit of the Lord had come upon him and had anointed him, and he had come to recover sight to the blind. And that brings us to the third thought this morning, and that is the healing of blindness. It is not a given that people have to remain in spiritual darkness. It is not guaranteed that people, if they're blind, will be blind for all their life. And the reason is because Jesus came to give spiritual vision. He came to restore vision to people who could not see. Now, apart from Jesus, there's no way that we could have ever had our sight recovered. But with Jesus and his supernatural power, the the power of the gospel, there is the potential for us to have spiritual sight. And in the Bible, when we speak about spiritual sight, sight is equated with understanding the truth. So we have the potential and the opportunity to understand the truth according to the God of truth. Not the truth of our own making, not the the thing that we think should be right, but literally to have the spiritual blinders pulled off so that we can see the world as it truly is. Brethren, we need to see this world as it truly is. We need to see ourselves as we truly are. We need to see God as He truly is. But the problem is that we're living in a world that is full of illusion. People have convinced themselves that they're living according to the truth. People are living as if this life is all there is. They're living as if this body is the only one I'll ever get. They're living as if this existence is my only chance. And they're ignoring the spiritual truth that has been given clearly in the Word of God. But Jesus came so that our blinders could be pulled back. Now, as we spoke about last week, this blindness really began in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve and the deception of Satan. And he lied to them and deceived them. And of course, death came upon all men. That spiritual blindness started back there. And we come from the womb speaking lies. So right away, we're defaulted towards error and darkness. But because of Jesus, there is an opportunity for the light to dawn upon us. And for us to come to a place of realization where we see that what God has declared is actually true. There's nothing more sad to me than meeting and talking with someone who is well versed in the scriptures and has chosen to believe something else as their reality. This is the epitome of spiritual blindness. Blindness. 
Because they can discuss with you on a theoretical, logical level the truths of Scripture, and you can tell that they actually know what they're talking about. But they have chosen willfully to turn away from the truth of God and go a different way. You say, could someone like that be given spiritual vision? Oh, absolutely. You see, this is the power of the gospel. This is the power of God. There was a man who is spoken about in the New Testament. His name, we refer to him as Paul, but his name before that was Saul. And Saul was a man exactly like that. Saul was a man who willfully turned away from Jesus Christ and persecuted the followers of Jesus Christ. And he thought in his mind that what he was doing was the right thing. He thought he was walking in the light, but he was walking in darkness. Until one day, on the road to Damascus to put some of the followers of Jesus in prison, he came face to face with the glorious light of the gospel, which is Jesus himself. And in that moment, his eyes were opened. Now, if you know the story, you might also know his physical eyes were closed. He was blinded for several days. But spiritually, he was given vision. He understood who Jesus was, and he understood who he was, and he understood that there had to be a change in his life. Can Jesus give light to people who are blind? Absolutely. Absolutely. If he couldn't, we would have no hope because all of us need that light. Now, this light centers around the truth that man is designed by God, by his creator to have a relationship with God. That's what he's designed us for. But we are incapable, incapable of having that relationship with God because of our own rebellion and our own sin against God. And we need to see the truth that we are at enmity with God and we need to see the truth that there is a way that has been provided for us to make peace with God through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ in our place. Amen. There is a way for us to receive life through Jesus and the power of His resurrection. The gospel is glorious, and the gospel can bring spiritual sight in people's, in people's lives, and this is why Jesus came. I know many of you, as you read the news and you look at the world around you, some of you are tempted to throw your hands up in despair and say, what is the use? This world is so messed up, there's no hope, but praise the Lord, at least I'm going to heaven. But you do know that our purpose in being left here is so that we might be lights in this world. There are people who are blind all around us who need to see the glorious light of the gospel, and it is our responsibility to shine that light, to reflect the light of the gospel to those who are desperately in need. And before you throw your hands up in despair you might be reminded that the world has been very dark before and the gospel has still shined brightly. God is still doing work in this world and Jesus is still able to restore sight to the blind. This morning, you might be confused about some spiritual things, unsure of your relationship with God, 
You might be on unsteady ground as you think about what it means to fellowship with God and to be sure of your eternal salvation. But I assure you today that your eyes can be opened to the truth of God and you can see things much more clearly if you will only humble yourself and allow God to work in your life. He wants to recover sight to those who are blind. Now, there's an example of this in the Gospels in John chapter 9. I think it's one of the most extraordinary examples of Jesus healing a blind man. We'll not read the text because it's the entirety of John 9, and that would keep us here a while. But I'll refresh your memory about what happened. Jesus had come by a place, and there was a man in that place who was born blind. He couldn't see from the time he was born. We have no idea what exactly happened, whether his optical nerve was misformed, or perhaps there was some kind of a genetic problem. Maybe, I don't know, maybe his eyeballs never properly formed in his eyes. The Bible doesn't tell us. It just tells us that from the time he was born, he couldn't see. So he never knew what it was to be able to see. That would be difficult, wouldn't it? So many of the things that we enjoy in life are things that come through our eyes. This man never experienced any of that. So as they were coming by, his disciples had a question for Jesus that they were pondering and that they had struggled with, evidently. And so they asked the Lord, they said, here's this man who is born blind. Lord, we want to know who sinned. Was it this man who sinned or was it his parents who sinned? Because in their way of thinking, the only explanation for something like this is somebody sinned. Now, in this case, Jesus gave such a a helpful answer, which is not the subject of our message this morning, but it's very helpful when dealing with people who are suffering from all kinds of difficulties in their life. Jesus answered in verse 3, Neither hath this man sinned, nor his parents. Nobody sinned but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. So there's something that God is going to do in this man's life, and that's why God allowed this to happen. So then you know how the story went. Jesus approached this man, and he spoke to this man. And the Bible tells us there are little ways down that Jesus spit on the ground, and he took the dirt and the spit, and he mixed it together and made some clay And he reached up and he put it on that man's eyes. And then he told that man, he said, Now go over to the pool of Siloam and wash. And evidently the man just did exactly what Jesus said. And he found somebody to take him to the pool of Siloam. And he got over there to the pool and he washed his eyes. And it says in verse 11, I went and washed and I received sight. And just like that, a man who never had seen could see. And it was just as miraculous as, as you can imagine. And you could imagine how excited he was. And his life has changed. And, and now, now there's all kinds of problems. Because Jesus healed somebody who is blind. And the religious leaders are not at all excited about this. 
They don't like the fact that Jesus healed this man. And so the Pharisees call this man and they want to know what happened. And the the sticking point is this happened on the Sabbath day. And there's not supposed to be work going on on the Sabbath day. Of all things, there should be no healing going on the Sabbath day. So they call this man. We want to know what happened. You tell us what happened. Tell us how this went down. He says, look, I don't know what to tell you. This guy came up to me. He put clay on my eyes. He told me, go to the pool of Siloam and wash. I went and I washed and I started seeing. They said, that's a lie. You never were blind. Well, then they called his parents. Is this your son? Yes, that's our son. Was he blind all his life? Yes, he's been blind all of his life. I mean, can you imagine these parents are just probably hearing just now about their son being able to see? But they're interrogated by these religious leaders. That's our son. Yeah, definitely that's him. He's been blind all of his life. Well, now they can't say anything. Then they say to these these parents, well, what do you think about Jesus? We don't know what to think about Jesus. They don't want to be kicked out of the synagogue. So they say to this man... You need to say about Jesus that he's a false prophet. And this man says, I I don't know what to tell you guys. I I mean, I don't know a lot. I'm I'm not a smart guy, but I know this. Earlier today, I couldn't see anything. I was blind. But now I can see. And they said, get out of here. We don't want you around here. Cast him out of the synagogue. They didn't want people like that around. (laughs) It's so funny, isn't it? So he went walking. Are you still with me? So look in verse 34. He, he left. He's sorting through what in the world just happened. I can see I'm cast out of the synagogue. My parents are scared to death to claim me because they might get cast out of the synagogue. All the religious leaders are mad at me. I never even got to see the guy who did this. So in verse 34, they answered and said unto him, Thou wast altogether born in sins, and dost thou teach us? And they cast him out. Jesus heard that they had cast him out. And when he found him, he said unto him, Dost thou believe on the Son of God? He answered and said, Who is he, Lord, that I might believe on him? And Jesus said unto him, Thou hast both seen him, and it is he that talketh with thee. And he said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. And what is phenomenal about this story is, here is a man who not only received physical vision but he received spiritual vision in the same day. Because Jesus found him, and and I want you to know, it's more important that Jesus dealt with his spiritual needs than his physical needs. It's wonderful, it's marvelous that this man could see again with his eyes, but now Jesus comes to him and he says, don't you know who I am? Don't you realize what just happened? And it dawned on this man in that moment, and he realized and recognized and, and, and said, I do believe that you are the Son of God. And he worshipped him. Just in that moment of time, this man's eyes were opened. Does Jesus recover sight to the blind? He does. I want you to think about in your life. Has there been a time in your life where the light bulb of spiritual truth went on? When you understood that you could not save yourself? When you realized that your good works would never gain you a relationship with God? When you understood 
in your, in your spirit, in your conscience, you were convicted and you knew that you were justly condemned by God because of your own sin. Do you remember when that light bulb went on? Amen. And do you remember when you understood why Jesus came? Amen. And you began to realize that he was offering to you forgiveness for your sins? restoration of a relationship with God. Do you remember when this happened in your life? See, when the light bulb goes on, and Jesus spoke about this time and this event as being born again, being given spiritual life. And if you can remember a time like that, then you know exactly what I'm talking about this morning, that Jesus came to recover sight to the blind. Because you were blind, but now you see. But you might be here this morning and say, Pastor, I've, I've understood some things, and I, I've seen some things, and I'm, I'm concerned about those things, but I, I, just, I, I feel like the lights aren't quite on. I, I feel like I'm struggling to understand. Well, friend, you say, what, what has to happen in my life? You need to trust him. You have to come to Him. You see, you're in darkness. You're in a place of blindness. And He's reaching out His hand to you and saying, Come with me and I'll take you to the light. I'll open your eyes. I'll show you the truth. You're saying, Well, I want to understand it all before I'll come to Him. You'll never understand it all. At some point, you have to say, I believe Him. Even if I don't understand it all, I believe Him. And I'm going to come to the light. And you'll find that as you come to the light, the light comes on and it gets brighter and brighter and brighter. And you start to understand and see this world in a different way. So what I'm saying to you this morning is if you have never experienced that light bulb coming on, if you've never been born again, I hope that today you'll cry out to the God of heaven and ask him to recover sight to the blind, to help you to see with spiritual eyes, the truth that He has revealed in the Scripture. This morning, I hope that you'll come to Him. But many of you this morning, when I was talking about the light coming on, you were nodding your heads. And you were saying, Amen. Yeah, I do remember that. I remember when that happened in my life. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. But I want to go back to something I said just a couple minutes ago. We are living in a dark world. A lot of Christians are in such despair about this world that we're living in. And they're so upset. And then what are we going to do? How about this? How about if we shine the light that's been given to us? How about if we declare the truth so that people could have the blinders taken off? How about if we point people to Jesus, who's the light of the world, instead of despairing about what we're going to do, instead of hoping that some politician is going to figure it out? The politicians are just as blind as everybody else. We need the light of the world. Just happens that the light of the world is also the Prince of Peace. Isn't that wonderful? This holiday season, as we have opportunities to interact with people, may we be shining our light and pointing people out of spiritual darkness, out of spiritual blindness to a place of light, a place where they can find hope in Jesus Christ.